Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly, um, especially our gospel lesson from the gospel of Luke chapter 21. And as we begin today, one of the one of the main ideas that's kind of lingering in the background, and it's an idea that still um, floats around today, is where uncertainty meets kind of the middle. And what do I mean by that? Where uncertainty meets the middle, not, not the two extremes. That some would say that there is some sort of virtue in uncertainty. Because. Because if something is uncertain, well, who can really know? And that is your opinion, and I've got my opinion But what you just said doesn't apply to me. This comes up most often, at least um, in the conversations that I have, when we start talking about specific points of doctrine, which is one of my favorite things to do. And when we start talking about specific things that the Bible says a lot about, sometimes, sometimes as we discuss this, it gets to a point where we say, well... But who can really know is kind of the answer. Pastor Hagen, I, I hear what you're saying about fill in the blank. I hear what you are saying about um, infant baptism or the millennium, you know, the, thousand, the supposed thousand-year reign of Christ. I hear what you are saying, and I appreciate the, the, the time. But who can really know? As if to say the two extremes ought not to reconcile, but we should just settle for the uncertainty of this mushy little middle area, that there is some sort of virtue in that uncertainty, some sort of virtue that says, that is your opinion over there, and this is my opinion over here, but who can say which of us is really correct? And it's all just a matter of faith, so it's just all this uncertain mush in the middle that we can't really know. And that is, that is one of the ideas that is definitely in the background when we talk about Christ's return for judgment. Because there's no virtue in uncertainty. There's no comfort in uncertainty. The only thing that uncertainty, that uncertainty leaves us is an uncertain confidence that I think I know what I'm talking about And if I just bury my head in the sand long enough or I ignore the the discussion or I don't attend to and pay attention to the specific elements and points of doctrine, then who can really know? That uncertainty is kind of the, the way that people try to avoid having too extreme of a position. And even if it's something as simple as infant baptism. Who can really know? Well, biblically speaking, the Bible is clear. And according to what Scripture says, you certainly can know. God is not, he didn't didn't give us a crossword puzzle or like a 66-book-long wordle and say, try to figure this out. He said, this is my word, where he spoke in clear language. And he does so to help remove the uncertainty from your life and mine. 
And that's exactly what Jesus does today when he talks specifically and with clarity and certainty about the last day, about judgment day. In our gospel lesson, the disciples are marveling at the temple, this temple that, um, that King Herod had undertaken a, a major, major remodeling project, like 30 years before, 40 years before Jesus was born. And he wanted to keep adding to it and, and beautifying it. Even at that point, the temple was a little over 400 years old. It wasn't Solomon's temple, but it was the one they built after the exile. And the disciples are marveling around and saying, this is some place. Look at this beautiful facility. Look at, look at all the gold and this beautiful walking area around the outside, it's almost reminiscent of King Solomon. If he were here, he would walk around in this colonnade, this columned area around the exterior. What a place. And they ask Jesus. And they talk to Jesus as they're marveling. Look at this. It's so beautiful. And Jesus turns to them and he says, just a minute. There will come a day. There will come a day when not one stone will be left upon another. They will all be thrown down. And this, this idea was so preposterous that the disciples could only think, well, that's got to mean and that's got to be the day that, that Jesus returns in judgment. It'll be about 35 years later when the Romans would, would besiege Jerusalem and they would burn the temple and they, after they set fire to the temple so that all the gold would melt, then they came in with a crew, a legion of crowbars, quite literally, to pry up the stones and flip them over so they could get the gold out. And after they did get the gold out of the temple at Jerusalem, the price of gold across the Roman Empire fell by almost half because that much of um, value had been added back into circulation. Where does this meet you and me? As Jesus is talking about when these things will happen, he gives the disciples and he answers both questions, but he kind of weaves back and forth. When will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming? When will these things happen? He talks about 35 years later. And what will be the sign of your coming? And he talks about these signs of the end of the world. And as he kind of weaves back and forth answering both of those questions, he, he burns away any sense of uncertainty. He burns away the fog of uncertainty, almost like, you know, the sun rising on a foggy morning. Because he wants you and me to be sure. He wants you and me to have the comfort and the clarity. And most of all, he wants us to be ready. And listen how he describes these last days. Many teachers will come in my name saying, I am he. You'll hear of wars and revolutions. Nation will rise against nation. Earthquakes, famines, plagues, horrifying sights, and great signs in the heavens. And if that weren't enough, if that weren't enough, he goes on. Um, but before all the things, they will lay their hands on you, persecute you. They'll hand you over and bring you before kings and governors. But it will, be turn, it will turn out to be your opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand how to defend yourselves. And Jesus starts 
burning away the uncertainty. And as he gets clearer and clearer about what is going to happen during those last days, you start to get a little nervous. At least I do. Are you serious, Jesus? You will be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, friends. They'll put some of you to death. Ooh, sign me up. You'll be hated by all people for my namesake. And it would be so easy and so simple and so incredibly tempting. Well, I'm not one of those Christians. I'm not one of those Christians who says that that Jesus is the only way and truth and life. And everybody outside of the faith is going to spend an eternity apart from God's loving presence. Well, the mushy middle... It's so tempting to cloud over the certain truths of God with a little bit of uncertainty. That if we just gloss over it a little bit, well, I I don't really believe that. Well, at the end of the day, God is a loving God. And that's all we need to know. Have you found that temptation in your own life? And not just the temptation, but the the actual sin of knowing what God says in his word and retreating from that. The actual sin of of knowing the clarity and certainty that God gives us and saying, well, I'll get to it again another day, someday. And no matter how many days I tear off the calendar, the day is never someday. And Paul has some words about that as well in our second reading. From 2 Thessalonians. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance and flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That was verses um, 7 and 8. That when Christ comes in judgment... Yes, there's this, the separation of the sheep and the goats. And on those who do not know um, the work of our God and the person and work of Jesus Christ. And he will say, depart from me. But Paul continued in verse 8, that Jesus will exercise vengeance and flaming fire also on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And that... Out of everything that we hear today, that is the most terrifying and the most convicting. Because all the other things that Jesus said about the last days in our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 21, all the other things that Jesus said, it's like, okay, um, I just keep my focus on Jesus and these things are going to happen, but it'll be okay once once we get through. It's like the last days are just going down into a valley until the day when Jesus tears open heaven and returns in glory. And it's almost like looking ahead to the challenge. It's almost like even my own heart says, oh, to be, to join the ranks of those like Stephen or any of the other um, early church fathers. To join the ranks of those who, who stood in the middle of the arena and began their song, Lord have mercy, 
as the gates were opened and the lines let in. There's a certain attraction to that, if somewhat horrific. We like the idea of being remembered for our confession of faith and for our effort. But when Jesus says through the Apostle Paul that he will exercise vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel of God, that hits me, and probably you, right between the eyes. Because he's talking about people who have been instructed, he, he's talking about people who know the word of God, who in some way know um, to a greater or lesser degree what they ought to do, and who say, not today, not now, not here, not me. And that doesn't apply. That what I want to do is more important than what my Lord says I need to do. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he does. Because our Lord Jesus, here in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us exactly what is coming in the days ahead. And he is being very clear about what is expected from us as his church, as his people. That he wants to continue to do through you exactly what he has done through Christians of every age and time and place. That Christians of every age and time and place have always been the vocal minority. That Christians of every age and time and place have been tempted to just give up and cloud over all the certainty and clarity of their faith with just a little bit, well, who can really know? Because it's so much easier to dwell in that muddy middle. But Jesus, in a sense, calls us by his clarity to the extremes. The extremes that say, this is what God says. And this is, yes, the, the, the warning that he has. And also the comfort that he gives. That this is what our Lord gives. The forgiveness of sins for you and for me. For people who have not obeyed the gospel of God. For people who have known better and said, well, not today. For people who know enough of God's grace to use it as an excuse for sin. And this Jesus carried even that, that burden, yours and mine alike, so that he can clothe you with his righteousness again and reassure you with his forgiveness again, with his righteousness again, to say, dear Christian, when you look in the mirror of God's law, does it look like, you know, there's been a time or two or ten where you have sinned? Then this Jesus is your righteousness, not just in the taking away of sin, but the giving, the giving of his righteousness. That this Jesus has promised exactly as he said, to clothe you as his own and to continue to work through you as, as his church to live a holy life in this world and to live as, as light and salt in a world that continues to spiral downward exactly as Jesus describes so that we have this preview of what's coming. We have this preview of all, of all the, uh, the terrifying things that would come to us or our children or grandchildren. This preview that says, dear Christian, you need to look ahead because you can know what's coming. 
And you can be ready. And you can be ready today for what comes tomorrow. You can think of it this way. I think I was about, about 10 years old, which means that I had a brother who was, maybe I was a little bit younger, but a brother who was about 11 or 12 and a sister who was, I don't know, seven or eight. And um, it was one of those summertime storms. One of those summertime storms where, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the weather radio started beeping out in, our, out in the back part of the house, if you had one of those. And, um, and then we listened to it and saw the weather forecast that there was a line of storms moving through. And it was something noteworthy. It wasn't just, you know, the meteorological dramatics that you might see on TV. And so for a little while, we watched the rain come in out our front window, watching to the west. And we had this, this maple tree in our front yard. And it was only about, I don't know, three inches maybe in diameter. And then it started doing one of these, a big circle. And as we're standing on the front porch, my dad's like, that sounds like a freight train. Why don't we go inside? And we did. And it got louder, even though we were inside and in our basement um, against the, the outer foundation away from any windows, um, it inexplicably got louder. And as we sat there, my, my father explained to the three of us that, you know, it's kind of a big storm, um, downplaying it. <laughs> it's kind of a big storm, but we're here in the basement. There's nothing here that could fall on us. There's nothing here that would hit us and hurt us. And there's nothing to worry about. He said there might be some branches down. Um, there might be a little bit of cleanup afterward. And maybe even replace a few shingles on the roof. But it's going to be okay. And about 20 minutes later, the sound subsided. And we wandered upstairs. And sure enough, this gigantic pine tree that was right next to our house, had the top twisted off and dropped right next to our house, not on top of our house. And the official, the official ruling was there wasn't enough to say it was a tornado, but there was certainly enough to say that there were spiraling winds, but because nothing touched down, it wasn't technically a tornado. And thinking back, Thinking back to the shoes of a young child, scared by a storm, wondering what would happen. The only thing that really gave me some comfort, aside from, aside from being in a, in a safe place, was the word of my, my dad, my father, saying what would happen and then how it would turn out. That's exactly what Jesus does today where he says, dear Christian, you are in a safe place. You are in, um, in a sense, the, the church, the ark of God's church. And these last days are going to be awfully stormy. You're going to see what's going to happen. There will be some cleanup a little bit. And um, they will put some of you to death. You'll be hated by all people for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. But you have a Savior. You have a Lord who gives you the certainty and the clarity to say that you know what's coming and you know that you're safe and you know how it turns out. And that's every reason 
to tear off the calendar and say, it looks like someday is today. And that's every reason to say, dear Lord, give me the words today so that even one more person would be ready for the storm tomorrow. Amen.